Welcome, and thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Maryland's Most Notorious Murders, where the most grisly, the most high-profile homicide cases in Maryland are examined and profiled. On this episode, child killer Brian Patrick O'Callaghan is profiled, and this episode's unsolved homicide is the murder of Daniel Payne. Post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, can be debilitating, threatening, catastrophic, with symptoms ranging from intense fear to chronic depression and nightmares. Living with PTSD can greatly affect how a person living with this disease can live and function in the real world. Take the case of 36-year-old Brian Patrick O'Callaghan from Damascus, Maryland. At first, Brian was a standout. A graduate of the University of Northern Colorado, by 1997, he was serving in the Marine Reserves, eventually ranking as a sergeant. He served tours of duty in Iraq and Kosovo, and in 2003, he was deployed in Iraq in support of Operation Iraq Freedom for nine months where he helped in a firefight that led to the rescue of captured Army prisoner of war, Jessica Lynch. Brian mastered the Arabic language and was a translator for various infantry units. He received many awards and accolades for his military work and tours of duty, and throughout it all, He was exposed to the results and aftermaths of deadly explosions, grisly dead bodies, including dead women and kids. And in 2009, he received treatment for depression. And later, he was diagnosed with PTSD. Maintaining a top secret clearance, after he left the military, Brian started working for the National Security Agency, or commonly known as the NSA, in the analysis and production section and rose to the division chief in the office of China and Korea. During this time, Brian managed to get married and he and his wife had a son together. Then the couple wanted to expand their family and they decided to adopt. Why not adopt a child from one of the orphanages that he had seen in Korea? So Brian and his wife looked for an adoption agency and they started the process of adopting a brother for their son. The whole time that Brian was going through the adoption process, he left out the parts about him being diagnosed with depression and PTSD. He told his doctors and his counselors that he and his wife were trying to adopt a child overseas and instead of advising him not not to because of his mental illnesses, they focused on all of his accomplishments and what he had done for this country and all of that. At one point, a counselor from the VA even showed him how to wean himself off of his psych meds so that he could pass the drug tests for the adoption agency. The Holt International and Catholic Charities of Maryland approved their adoption 
and in late October of 2013, the couple brought three-year-old Maddox Hansu O'Callaghan to their home in Damascus, Maryland. The boy had not led a good life. According to an article in the Washington Post, Maddox had been born a preemie in South Korea in May of 2010. After Maddox was able to leave the hospital, he was immediately put in a foster home. By the time Brian and his wife had adopted him, he had been diagnosed with speech delays and learning difficulties. His wife took three months off of her job using maternity leave to become her new son's full-time primary caregiver. She was the one basically getting to know Maddox one-on-one while Brian continued working. When her maternity leave was up, she had to go back to work and Brian, using the paternity leave offered at his job, he started staying home with Maddox and getting to know him also. On Friday, January 3rd, 2014, Brian's wife had to go out of town to New Jersey for work while Brian stayed home with his two sons. That morning started off like any other normal morning. Brian took both of his sons to a nearby Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast. When they came home, things took a deadly turn. Hours later, Brian walked into a nearby hospital's emergency room, carrying Maddox slung over his shoulder like the boy was just sleeping. Brian spoke briefly and quietly to a nurse without telling her that he had a full-blown emergency because when the nurse reached out to touch Maddox, she immediately realized that the boy was cold, his body temperature was only 91 degrees, he wasn't responsive, and he was in full cardiac arrest. Maddox was flown to Children's National Medical Center in Washington, D.C. Declared brain dead when he got there, Maddox was placed on life support, but unfortunately, he died three days later on February the 3rd, 2014. Although he had led a rough life in Korea, in the 100 days that he had spent with his American parents, the boy reportedly had loved his dogs, he loved his older brother, and he loved anything that his parents made for him to eat. And he had found something to love in every day. An autopsy was performed on Maddox and the autopsy showed that he had fractures at the base of his skull with bleeding in the front and back of his brain. He had bruises to his forehead, a swollen brain, and hemorrhages in his eyes. The toddler even had impact wounds and injuries to his scrotum. Brian told the Montgomery County Police Department that on January the 31st, 2014, the day that his wife went out of town for work, that he helped Maddox with taking a shower because his son didn't like showers and Maddox threw a tantrum while he was in the shower and he ended up slipping and falling backwards, hitting his shoulder in the process. Brian said he consoled him after he fell, then he put his son to bed. The next morning, he said he told the police that on the next morning that he took the kids to Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast. Then he took the kids on a trip to a swim center. Then they all went home and took a nap 
around 4 p.m., he told the cops that he checked on his son and saw a pinkish fluid stain on his bed and mucus coming from Maddox's nose. Brian said that he changed sheets and the whole time his son did not wake up from his nap. When he checked on him about an hour later, he picked him up and even though Maddox was still unresponsive, he started projectile throwing up and the pinkish fluid that was coming from his nose was much, much worse. That's when he said he brought him to the emergency room. The police didn't buy this story, especially because Maddox's injuries were way more severe than just the fall in the shower. But his father, his adoptive father, just didn't fit the profile of a child killer or a child abuser. Brian was even allowed to go to his son's funeral before people were like, look, look, wait a minute, what's going on here? Eventually, Brian was arrested and charged with first-degree murder and child abuse resulting in death and was arrested on February the 16th, 2014. And despite his military status, he was held without bail. Later, the truth came out in court of what happened to Maddox. Brian admitted that on the day Maddox was killed, after they came back from having breakfast, he did put Maddox down for a nap because the boy was tired. He said Maddox was jumping up and down on the bed, and at one point, his son reached out towards him with his arms out. His arms were stretched out as to ask for a hug. And then, for some reason, that set Brian off, and he snapped. That set off an explosion in his mind, and he threw his son across the room. His son hit a wall. Then Brian apparently blacked out and basically just beat and kicked his three-year-old son to a bloody pulp. At one point, Brian's seven-year-old son, who had been downstairs, heard noises and banging upstairs. Confused, he went upstairs to investigate and saw a medic on the floor with his father sitting next to him. He thought that was a little weird, but he went back downstairs. At Brian's sentencing hearing, which was a full six hours long, Brian cried as he heard the details about what he had done. His wife, his parents, and his in-laws all supported Brian at sentencing 100%. His grandfather had given a statement to reporters that said, in his words, Brian wouldn't hurt him. I find it impossible to believe that he's been indicted for murder because He's worked so hard to get this baby. He was so loving with him. He's been so wonderful with his other child. I've never seen him do anything that would make me believe he's capable of doing this. His psychiatrist spoke up for him at sentencing and said because Brian was diagnosed with PTSD, depression, and a short tempered disorder combined with the fact that he had a very stressful job and he had started tapering off his meds. All of that caused him to explode like a ticking time bomb that day. Another neuropsychiatrist that his defense lawyer paid big bucks to testify on Brian's behalf said that, he said that any sign of irritability or it would make Brian more f frustration, it would cause, it would make him frustration tolerant. 
his own lawyer went as far as to say that Maddox's death wasn't even a murder at all. He basically said, oh, this was just a terrible, terrible tragedy and not even, not a crime. Those were his words. Brian spoke in his own behalf and said, there never should have been a place safer on earth for Maddox than being alone in a room with me. But that day he was not safe with me. I killed my son. He's gone. A defenseless little boy that I loved is gone. The prosecution wasn't moved by none of this. And they said that Maddox's murder wasn't just like some single outburst of violence. And they asked the court for a 40-year prison sentence. In the end, the judge says, The fact of it is this. You beat, the, you beat this child to death. There is not a kind and gentle way to do that. I can't parse it out. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. For Maddox's sake, I hope this was quick. It doesn't matter if he was killed in a single outburst or if he was beat 12 times. Brian did accept it, full responsibility, and he accepted a 20-year prison sentence with all but eight years suspended and three years of supervised probation, pleading guilty to child abuse resulting in death while prosecutors dropped the more serious murder charge. Brian did get credit for time served, which had been about two and a half years, and his little light slap on the wrist sentence pissed off members of the Adult International Adoption Agency because they felt that Brian shouldn't have been allowed to adopt the child in the first place. They put most of the blame on the adoption agency that performed the adoption anyway, saying that they should have been more thorough in their background checks and they should more should have been done to protect other kids who are murdered by families who adopt them. Now, this case was notorious in Maryland because of a number of reasons. First off, uh, the light sentence. Um, this man, even though he was suffering from an Ill a mental illness, PTSD, depression, and I believe the psychiatrist said a short temper fuse or something like that, um, he basically... I mean, there are other people that are charged with child abuse resulting in death of their kids and they did not receive a 20-year suspended, a 20-year sentence with eight of those years suspended. Um, I believe the court took into consideration his background, what he had done for his country, their military career, the fact uh, that the PTSD diagnosis, they took those... Uh, those factors into consideration before he was sentenced. And also he had tremendous support from uh, his family and uh, psychiatrists that testified on his behalf that he had been altering his meds for to, uh, to get his adoption approved, which was wrong. I don't believe it was criminal or malicious. I just believe that um, who should be held responsible for this. I, I do believe he should be held responsible for throwing his son up against the wall and basically killing him. And especially since this was a boy that that he adopted. Um, I just feel sorry for this kid who was just dealt a bad turn all throughout his life. 
from the beginning all the way up to the end. Um, um, I, the, the VA that assisted him and also advised him off, you know, Brian to taper his medication and to alter his drugs. I believe that was just horribly wrong. Um, they should hold some accountability and responsibility also in what happened to Maddox. Um, I did check. Brian has since been released. This happened in 20, uh, 2014. He has been released. He is still currently on supervised probation. I did not write him to ask his opinion or any questions about anything regarding this case because I'm quite sure this is something that he wants to put behind him and move on. Um, and I believe that the facts for this case speaks for itself. I also, I do believe that he was truly remorseful and did not mean to necessarily kill his son. But um, what happened was terrible. What happened was a tragedy. What happened um, was uh, bad all around. There were no winners here. Um, but I do believe that um, the fact that he was that the fact that he did taper his drugs, his his PTSD medications, and the fact that he did try to alter his mental illnesses for an adoption agency that did warrant some type of punishment in this case. So um, I believe that. Uh, does that justify the light sentence? It kind of does, to be honest. Um, if there are other defendants that, as I stated before, there are other people that have been charged with child abuse resulting in death that did not get a light sentence of 20 years with eight suspended. Um, just as, just as the, I just believe that in this case, the sentence was just because the circumstances were different in this particular case. I just also believe that um, I agree with the Adult International Adoption Agency that more screening should be done for adoptive parents, but uh, adoptive parents who want to adopt ch uh, kill, uh, children uh, to make sure that stuff like this does not fall through the cracks and happen again. Um, if he, he knew that he suffered from PTSD, he should not have been, he should not have tried to start, he should not have been adopting a child, basically. Um, his wife also knew that he suffered from PTSD. I believe that um, maybe they didn't, I'm quite sure they didn't think nothing like this was going to happen. But a lot of things happen that nobody wish that they happened and they just do um this was a tragic 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 murder it wasn't just a tragic case it was a it was a murder um it was just something that i believe just just was not malicious this episode's unsolved homicide is the murder of 55 year old daniel payne on Father's Day, early Sunday morning, 
June 20th, 2010, someone shot 55-year-old Daniel Payne while he was on his way to play the lottery. Around 9 a.m., the cops and paramedics responded and he was rushed to St. Agnes Hospital where he was pronounced dead. Shot in the back in the 2500 block of Winchester Street in West Baltimore, Daniel had served in the military and worked for a trash company. He was a married father of four kids and every Father's Day since, his everyday Father's Day since he was murdered, his wife holds a vigil in his honor until his killer is caught. I am not going to say I'm surprised because I know there's a lot of homicides in Baltimore that haven't been solved. I just hope and pray that this will be the exception. Father's Day last year when he went to the store, it was the last time I saw him. I never expected he wasn't going to come back, his wife told reporters in a statement for the Baltimore Sun. The police say that his murder was a possible robbery, but other than that, they have no real leads. Let's get this case solved, people. If anyone has any information leading to an arrest or conviction, please call Baltimore City Homicide Detectives at 410-396-2100 or 1-866-7-LOCKUP. You can also text them at 443-902-4824. I mean, Daniel was a man, a family man that was minding his own business. This could have been, uh, just imagine if this was your father. Just imagine if this was uh, your uncle, somebody that you cared about. Um, every Father's Day, his wife has to throw a visual you know, just to, in his honor, just to remember him and keep his memory alive. Let's just pretend if you was in her shoes and had to do this. Thank you for tuning in to Maryland's Most Notorious Murders. Be sure to tune in next week where another high-profile homicide in Maryland will be examined and profiled. This has been a real-life production.